Welcome to the Pastor's Roundtable, the podcast where we pull apart and deconstruct the habits, routines, and tactics of great men and women of the faith. I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, well, welcome to another episode of the Pastor's Roundtable. I am your host, Ryan Latham, and I am excited for today's episode. We'll be talking with a friend of mine named Rich. He is the founder of Impact Africa, uh, and uh, they are doing some fantastic stuff in Africa. I was there a couple years ago. Uh, We were in a trip to Lesotho, and uh, we stopped by them uh, in Johannesburg for a couple of days. And uh, I'm going to tell you right up front, these guys took care of us like I couldn't believe. Uh, you know, there's all these kind of, maybe if you're like me, there's some fears, some worries about Africa. Um, there's also a lot of excitement and expectations when you think about Africa. I mean, the safari and the, the experience, the animals, the, the poverty, uh, all that kind of stuff we were expecting. I had high expectations. I've been trying to go, I don't know if I told you this, Rich, but I've been trying to go to Africa for eight years uh, and every year I try to go and um, it just didn't work out financially. It wasn't the right time with my church, uh, mm-hmm. transition in ministry. I mean, I've been trying to go for eight years. And so my standards, my expectation was really, really high. Uh, and I'm just going to tell you this. If you're listening, you're watching, uh, Rich and the team at Impact Africa blew our expectations out of the water. The way they hosted us, uh, the, mini- the customized uh, ministry opportunities. They talked to us, what do you want to do? How can we serve you? They found ways to get us into schools, uh, take us into the community, uh, show us poverty. I mean, just, just, you just don't really see it very often in the world when you travel. Uh, poverty, like what you're going to see the, with these guys. Um, but then just the care, the food, the housing, uh, I mean, just the way they took care of us was, was fantastic. They even took us on a safari and showed us animals uh, that you just don't really see here in the States too often. Uh, and so Rich, that's my little intro to you, but why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us uh, a little bit about your ministry history, your journey. Uh, we'll take it from there. Sure. Well, thank you so much, man. I look forward to hopefully getting you to come back here to Africa. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got a lot of upgrades since then and uh, looking forward to getting you back. But uh, yeah, Africa, you know, let me start. I mean, I kind of grew up a, um, what would I call it, kind of a punk kid from New York, kind of upstate New York. I didn't get saved until I was about uh, 15, 16 years old. And the last place you think a New Yorker is going to go is, first of all, Oklahoma. Uh, and uh, so I lived in Oklahoma, went to university there and started in an internship there with a missions organization, and then went through Oral Roberts University. And then I was in Texas for a while. Uh, and then Africa. So a New Yorker going to the West, and then all the way to Africa. It is quite the journey. But um, now, fast forward so many years later, Impact Africa, Impact Africa is kind of the covering of the organization. And underneath that, there's five divisions of the organization. So we, uh, we do lots of mission trips, and we were plugging in churches and partners and uh, individuals into quality ministry. You know, we've done the short-term side for many years, but now we're on the long-term side. And so we know how to uh, take a short-term person and plug them into a long-term multi-year strategy that really makes a difference here on the ground in our communities and our churches and uh, plugs into that long-term strategy. So, man, the more boots on the ground, the better. Um, As a matter of fact, here in Africa, like you mentioned, the poverty issues are tremendous here, specifically in South Africa. Uh, South Africa is very unique in the sense that it's one of the most westernized uh, African countries with technology, uh, networking, partnering, but it's also because of that, that if all the rest of Africa floods to South Africa and what grows are the refugee communities. You know, statistically, South Africa has got one of the highest refugee uh, you know, pandemics in the world, uh, even more so than the Middle East because of all of the millions coming into South Africa with the hope of looking for work and a job. And so that causes these huge uh, immigration issues and refugee camps and what they call informal settlements or squatter camp communities. And those just grow like exponentially. And that's where that, that poverty 
um, kind of gets out of control. But, um, but I will say this about teams inside these communities. The community is hard pressed with oppression, sickness, disease, you know, a lot of it's sanitary issues and housing issues, it's makeshift homes. But I tell you, it's a very oppressive environment. But I tell you, at the same time, it is the most ripe environment you can imagine for the good news. You know, light shines the brightest in the middle of darkness. And I tell you, uh, the harvest field in these communities is not just ripe, it's actually rotting away. Salvations, they come easy. Healings, instantaneous healings come easy. Man, we just need more boots on the ground, more hands to the plow, and uh, help us in these, these areas and these communities. So that's just one area is, you know, our mission teams, and uh, we're looking to unashamedly, you know, I want to recruit as many Westerners as humanly possible to come on a, a mission trip in, uh, in the hopes we want to wreck you for missions, absolutely, positively. <laughs> and we do that with a great environment, a great uh, recipe of how God's moving in the land here. And so unashamedly, uh, we want to wreck more and more people for missions through quality, quality ministry. So Yeah, come on out. So let me tell you guys just a little bit about Impact Africa. Uh, Rich, you sent these over to me. And gosh, every time I see these, I mean, you've been telling me these for years, but every time I see it, it just is incredible. So 91 babies have been rescued through your ministry. 106 gap year students have been coached. 4,442 missionaries have been hosted. 115,487 salvations. 468,935 face-to-face conversations there in your guys' area. Uh, 2,785 healings. And uh, 2,319 children have been educated through your Impact Kids program. Unbelievable stats. Unbelievable, but um, just incredible stuff. And then you guys are you guys are doing the short-term stuff. Uh, as mentioned, you guys are doing some education stuff with the kids. So tell us a little bit about the educational side. And then also uh, that these 91 babies that have been rescued. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. You know, education is a big part of what we do. And you know, thank you for, you know, sharing those stats and stats can always, uh, you know, you take them with a grain of salt, to be honest. And, but we coach our people, Hey, we, you know, we count people because people count and, um, it helps us gauge where that, uh, level of fruit fruitfulness is. And that's where we'll turn on the gas and the energy where, where the salvations are ripe and where the areas are, are, are ready for the good news. So like you mentioned, yeah, education is a big heart of what we do. And we do that in a few different ways. We actually, we, inside these informal settlement communities, we've started kind of preschools. So it's targeting the children that are ages two to six with a, you know, right in the middle of the communities, not in the nice suburbs, but it's right in the gut of the community. You know, we want to provide quality Christian education. And it's not us Americans coming over and teaching. It's actually all of our teachers, our African teachers, uh, they get trained, they get equipped, they get job skills training, and they become qualified teachers. And they're the teachers in the community. And so we have uh, four different schools right now, about 470 children in those schools. We've got a fifth school uh, that's going to come online here in 2020. And at those schools as well is our feeding program. So all those kids, they get a hot breakfast, they get a hot lunch and a snack. And for majority of those students, it's uh, the only food they get. And um, right now we're focusing on the, um, on the preschool age. We hope to continue to grow the grades. But I tell you, for us, it's one of the most strategic areas for education because they say, you know, almost 90% of a person's cognitive ability to listen, to learn, to reason, to socialize, it's all established by the age four or five. Yeah, and so if you can get these students in those early years of that incubator and just adrenaline shot them of who they are in Christ, God is their father, he is their parents, he'll never leave them or forsake them. So good. Uh, that is the most formative years of changing the trajectory of their entire life. Um, the other reason we really focus on the young students is this, is, you know, the AIDS pandemic is still ravishing Africa. It doesn't get talked about as much anymore. It's come normalized a little bit, but I tell you, AIDS is still ravishing South Africa, uh, close to 700 deaths a day, 
still happen in South Africa due to HIV-related issues. They may not call it HIV, but it's, you know, it's uh, tuberculosis, it's malaria, it's, uh, you know, liver cancer, it's lung cancer, it's stomach ulcers, it's dehydration even. All these things that become, uh, happen with autoimmune disease. Kind of a side effect, kind of a side effect of the HIV, right? Absolutely. And it's, it's, these communities are just riddled with that as well. They're, because of the poverty and the conditions, um, you know, even the government estimates close to 70 to 80% of that population in there is HIV positive. And, uh, you know, with all that many deaths happening every single day, that creates almost three to 400 orphans every single day. And I look at, like, one of my schools just down the road has got 125 students in it. I look at that group of 125 students, and I can almost take a quarter of them, you know, in five, 10 years, they won't be there. They're dead. They're passing away. Uh, that's the harsh reality of Africa in these communities. I can't wait for them to become a teenager to tell them about Jesus. They need to hear it now. Plant those seeds of life and hope into these kids. So we reach them at a young age uh, in our preschools. And then we also have a high school ministry. The high schools here are in very desperate need. Almost uh, 70% of the students that start grade one drop out by grade 12. So it's only 30% of the kids who start wow. finish grade 12. The biggest dropout rate is in the ninth and 10th grade. 33% of the ninth graders drop out and don't carry on to 10th grade. So the high schools have actually allowed us to come in to the public schools during the school hours and actually teach in the classrooms. Uh, we have a great curriculum that's all about uh, helping identify your gifts, your talents, your natural high, your natural um, passions, and then how to protect that against the perils of you know, sex and drugs and peer pressure and hopelessness and the gang stuff. And uh, we're seeing a lot of our high schools turn around quite a bit. And uh, I can say, man, having gone into those schools and see them, um, you know, just just tell us kind of the reality of the villages that these these, you know, I forget the word, what you, what you said it, but these uh, not official living environments. Tell us just the the reality of what those look like. Um, I mean, I remember you walking me around them, and it was just uh, eye opening, um, heartbreaking. Uh, to to see that, and I, I wish we could take everybody listening there to see it, because yeah. um, it just if you've never been to Africa, uh, I mean I know I've been to Haiti. There's parts of Haiti that are very similar as well, but right. uh, it's just tough to imagine what it's really like. Rich, I know you can't do do it justice, but can you at least just tell us a little bit of kind of what does that look like when the people you're reaching, what are they living in, what does it look like? Sure. Yeah, it's, um, you know, South Africa's, you know, got about 55 million people in this country and about uh, 12 million live in these informal settlements. Uh, and that's a low estimate. They really don't know the real numbers because of the illegal immigration that's just flooding here. Um, but they're makeshift communities. So it's pieces of tin, you know, and cardboard and wood and tarps kind of tacked together to make a small kind of eight by eight shack. And each shack, you know, houses on the average of about four people. And these communities are widespread. They can, some that we work in are a little bit smaller, could be four or 5,000 people in a community. One of the large ones that we work in is called Deep Sluts. It's over 350,000 people in this community. Parts of it have proper roads and some schools and clinics but the other half has, is all informal, all tin shacks. Um, and so you get a huge variety. And South Africa is crazy in that it's almost like the bizarro world. You know, it's the worst of the worst of the third world. And then you can go five miles down the road and it's the very best of the first world amenities and technology and, you know, shops and all those kind of things. So it's, it's literally, you can always walk in between these two worlds of desperateness and, luxury and it's um it's it's hard to get your head around at times yeah when we were there um you guys were walking around in deep slew and uh one of those shacks had recently just had a uh fire from their because they cook inside these shacks right and so 
uh, with right. propane, there's live fire. And one of the, the shacks had caught on fire and they're so close together. I mean, they're, they're literally touching that it just rapidly, it just spread through all of these shacks and burnt down this whole area. And what they were, what you guys were telling me is that, you know, it, that people were dying in there. Um, cause it just spreads so fast because they're made out of these just, uh, you know, plywood and just, uh, pallets and just wood and and so it just spreads so fast and yeah, uh, really really harsh so um speak to us uh, as someone here in america we go we, we get our team together we come and spend some time with you what does a typical trip look like uh, with you guys yeah it's a little we try to take a lot of i know it's just... a tough question because you do so much customized yeah. stuff but what what yeah, am yeah. i involved <laughs> No, we absolutely love it. Like I shared before, you know, we've been on the short-term side for many years. Now we've been long-term. I've been working in Africa for over 20 years now. So we know how to take short-term groups and plug them into long-term strategy and be fruitful, productive, uh, and effective in that setting. And so, you know, a team, you know, it it can vary quite a bit of what they come and do, but uh, pretty much, you know, day one, you kind of get here and uh, get over jet lag, get a meal in you and get a little sleep. But day two, we, we start with just a little bit of training and orientation. And then by that afternoon, we're right out into the communities. And we got a team of our, our uh, community hosts and our past local pastors, even some of our interns, that we intermix a little bit with the teams so that day one, hour one, they're being productive in those communities with house-to-house evangelism. They're seeing salvations. They're seeing healings happening. Uh, we're doing children's ministry right here on the streets. Um, we, we do lots of different events. Sometimes we're in the high schools doing high school events, uh, campaign, uh, educational awareness programs. Like you mentioned, one of the things we do is um, is our baby rescue center. Because in these communities, because of the extreme issues of poverty and um, you know, non-committed relationships and abuse towards women and children. Unwanted pregnancies is just through the roof, uh, a lot of trafficking issues. And so there's literally here in the city of Johannesburg, three to four babies every single day are born and then literally thrown away. And when I say throw away, I mean literally born and then thrown in the dumpster or a chemical toilet or left in the field or thrown in a river or Sometimes they'll give birth in a clinic and then skip out, left on the curb. Um, it, you know, child abandonment here is just is a bit crazy. And so that's one of the areas some of our teams help us with. We have a, an awareness and education program. Our team goes and works, because obviously a mom's pregnant for nine months. And uh, so it's during that time we have to help find help and counsel and coach and give them the information they need. Say, listen, if you're dealing with parenting challenges, here's how we can help you. If you need food assistance, if you need counseling, prayer, abuse issues, here are the numbers and we're here to help you, counsel you, mentor you through these issues. And especially if if you or someone you know is struggling with your baby, please don't throw away or dump your baby. We have a place of safety and refuge. Uh, That's one of the areas we also focus on is uh, impact baby rescue. We literally have in the middle of these communities, um, what you would call a depository box. We call it a baby safe in the front of our building. It's actually a door and drawer you pull down. And it's a place where a mom could safely abandon her baby with us uh, in this baby safe. And it's pretty high tech. It's got sensors and cameras and uh, an instant alarm that goes off. And um, we have house parents that live there full time that can immediately rescue that that baby and then quickly go through the safety checks or in hospital or whatever is necessary. And then uh, once we work with social services, the police uh, and all the social workers, you know, that baby, we actually have a full time baby home um, where that baby can most likely be assigned to us full-time once all the social services and police process is cleared. And uh, to get these babies that were once, you know, appointed for death and thrown away, now can be adopted into a forever loving family and have literally new life given back to them. So um, teams get a 
big variety. Help us with the awareness programs with Baby Rescue, help in the high schools, lots of door-to-door -door evangelism, and a lot of children's ministry in the communities. And then always, you're all the way here, you gotta have a little fun. So yes, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna see some animals on safari. Uh, you get to play with a lion cub, some great restaurants, you know, come eat some kudu and warthog and zebra and crocodile, you know, get to taste a handful of that stuff. And, and some um, great shopping too. Yeah, yeah, and barter and trade things and, uh, you know, for all your goods. So it's, uh, it, it really is a trip of a lifetime. But at the same time, um, again, it, very intentionally, we're designing quality ministry, logistics, hassle-free, a lot of fun, all for the purpose. Yes, I want to wreck you for missions. I want you to come back, and uh, we need your help. Don't come. You can come on a short-term trip, but then come back on a three-month or a six-month or a 12-month uh, intern program, or we have tons of staff positions available. We got a great team here. We got, uh, there's about 12 uh, uh, Westerners, Americans uh, mostly here full-time, long-term serving missionaries. And then we have about 54 uh, African staff that are working with us. And then normally 15 to 20 interns. Uh, so you put us all in the same room. It's a, it's a great team, a big group, and uh, we're seeing a lot of things happen. All right, so we, we, we hear about all of these things, uh, multiple schools and multiple baby rescues and all this kind of stuff. 20 years in, all this stuff's going on. Rich, take us back before all of that. Wow. Take us back to when you were just a, a punk kid. Uh, you know, how did all this start? How did this stirring, uh, you know, what did you see? How did it all start? Take us back. Yeah, great question. I mean, because... Uh it's a little bit of that Joseph story in a sense. You punk kid, you kind of have some vision and dream of someday I'd love to do this for the Lord, but I have no idea how or why or kind of thing. And uh, I, I would say that one of the biggest keys and tips is to, you know, jot down those visions and dreams, not big paragraphs, not vision statements. For me, it just works with a bullet point and maybe three or four words. That's about as far as I can get half the time. But uh, <laughs> I like, I encourage people kind of take it out of this nebulous air and thought and maybe and what ifs and commit it into this physical world on piece of paper or digithumb it or wh whatever you got to do, but to capture it and to hold on, to hold on, to hold on and pray over those things. And um, for me, I didn't know exactly what my first steps were, but um, the biggest key for, for me, what I've learned, is literally from the book of Acts. I love those little words uh, in the book of Acts where he says, on his way to Tarsus, the Holy Spirit led him. On his yeah. way here, the Holy Spirit led him. Yeah. So like, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm just going to start going. It's that concept, you know, it's easier to steer a moving car than a parked car. Yeah. And so I just started, I went on my first short-term trip. That started fueling things. I went on another short-term trip that started fueling things. Then I started interning with a missions organization that started fueling things. And clearly it just started giving a little more division, little definition, 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 definition. And, um, you know, uh, and then you always get to that point where it's, um, it's, it's a blind leap of faith for sure. You know, when uh, at that point I was, you know, earning a salary married, had two kids and to then to give that up and to fundraise your life uh, and move continents and start a new career, you just got to, um, I always love that Indiana Jones movie where uh, he's taking that leap, you know, off the cliff onto this invisible bridge and you don't see it, but you just got to take this leap of faith. Yeah. And uh, that bridge is there to catch you. <laughs> and that's yep. the Lord's provision when you take those leaps of faith and great expectations on him so tough because you don't see it until the actual point of no return right and then the, that that next step so why do you think it's so important for um, a pastor to come and bring a team why do you think it's so valuable for them to come and experience missions well it's it's biblical first of all you know you can see it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, every book of the Bible, Jesus said, go, 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 go. 
time and time again. Um, but first, you know, it's, it's uh, even the Jesus and his disciples, they went on journeys and journeys and journeys. And there's nothing like a journey outside of your culture that's going to uh, push you to expect great things for God, attempt great things for God. And it just galvanizes your faith, how you articulate it, how you see God uh, show up at, the, at that moment on that spot. It is undoubt, undoubtedly for thousands of years, the key essential life altering, changing experience one can go on that defines their Christian faith. Um, that's why we have the Bible and all the stories in it. It's because they went out of their boundaries and um, that experience altered the trajectory of their life. And so there's nothing, there's nothing better in my opinion. And I know there's, there's principles and there's, uh, you know, theories out there against short term and for short term and long term and things like that. You know, my advice is, you know, it's not about the cost. It's about the faith and the leap of faith and trusting God for the resources. And um, I need more people here. And I feel and see that all around the planet. And, um, you know, we know, we know the world is hurting and dying like never before. You hear of wars and rumors of wars and you see famines and earthquakes. I mean, we need more and more people representing God on this planet. Uh, that's undoubtedly every corner of this planet. And uh, one of the best ways to get missionaries is to go on a short-term trip. You know, they say 90% of long-term serving missionaries got the call and the buzz and the hook on a short-term trip. So it's just math, man. If you're going to, you need wow. more missionaries on the planet, do more short-term, you know, yeah. and more will get the calling and discover that. And what's great, I love is that, you know, of those long-term serving missionaries, uh, almost 70% of them go and serve where they went on their very first mission trip. Wow, so, uh, that's incredible. That's why I want as many as possible to come here to Africa. Uh, I want to wreck you for missions for the world, but I'm going to sprinkle a little flavor of Africa on it for sure <laughs> and, and invite more people to come back as interns and staff members. Yeah, so <clears throat> tell us just a little bit about that. Um, you've got short-term teams that come in for just a couple of weeks. Um, you guys have interns that come for, is it, is it nine months? Interns can come for three months, six months, or 10 months. Okay. Um, and, and, then you, yeah, and then you've got uh, staff members. You also have uh, world race teams that come in. You've got a team, uh, at the time of this recording, you got a team coming in for about a, yep. uh, a month. Um, and so you guys have lots of long-term things. And so let me ask you this, you know, here in the West, there's kind of this, um, undercurrent um, of, you know, the Netflix series and the book when helping hurts. And there's kind of this little, I feel like this little undertone of kind of short term teams um, do more hurt than, um, than good. And uh, that maybe we shouldn't be going on these short term trips and that it, it causes more dependence on the West or it, it uh, is just more glamorized. And so, you know, as a missionary who's been there for 20 years, you've had tons of short-term teams, you have a long-term vision and project going on. What would you say, how do you speak to maybe that undertone of that short-term teams do more hurt than they do good? Yeah, I mean, obviously that's a big issue and it's, um, you're going to get that anywhere in the world, um, even in America, <laughs> in a sense. But um that it is essential that short-term groups plug into and have a, uh, a local host and partner that they're submitted to and working in and through, you know, um, you know, yes, I am a, an American here in Africa, but I've been here for working in Africa for over 20, 25 years, short-term and long-term uh, here in South Africa for over 16 years. Um, so, but even myself, you know, we're working and partnering with the local churches. So all the ministry we do benefits the local church, strengthens the local church. Uh, the ministry and activities we do help model for the local church and local believers how to do door-to-door -door evangelism, how to do, uh, you know, children's ministry right here in the dirt, how to pray for a, uh, healing right here, how to pray for salvation right here. You know, so the, if you, when done right, 
it is the most productive, the most fruitful, the most beneficial thing uh, on the planet. And because um, it's not only just for the short-termers coming, but we're modeling it for the local church and the local believers, and it's creating exponential, you know, disciples um, by modeling it for them when it's when it's done right. And that's why I cry out. I'm saying, for me, when I I need more people here, more short term, because when I see short termers, I also see local nationals trained, equipped, mature, learning how to pray, learning how to cast out devils, learning how to do children's ministry, and they get strengthened and matured, and I give them back to the local church, and the local church gets trained, gets more people that are mature, you know, they're volunteering more, they're more beneficial in their church, so it's just got to be done right, and so find, do the research, find great local hosts, and pour as much fuel on it as you can with people, resources, finances, uh, prayer supports, uh, you know, every corner of the globe, uh, find those great people. They're all over the place. If you uh, prayerfully find that Holy Spirit led folks uh, on every corner, um, pour the fuel on it. Okay. So one of the biggest questions that you, we get all the time is the cost, right? And it just costs yeah. so much money to go on these missions trips, you know, 2000, 3000, um, upwards to even 4,000 to some of these places. Sure. And so uh, you've helped tons of teams, tons of people with fundraising. What are some tips for the local church that says, man, we would go, but we just are a little bit worried about having, say, a team of 15 people having to each raise $2,500, What What are some tips, some tricks, maybe some things that you've heard about teams doing the, that have helped them to fundraise that much money? Yeah, that's always a, a, a issue and a question. And for me, I tell you this, I tell you, um, you know, I had a salary and I felt comfortable and secure. But when I started getting a vision, God speaking to me about, hey, what about long-term, full-time stuff? Whether it's long-time, long-term, full-time stuff, or just a short-term trip, taking a leap out of your comfort zone and trusting God for the resources, there's nothing greater that builds your faith, your confidence uh, on God providing for you. You know, sometimes for us, it was in the early days, month by month or week by week or every other month at times. Yeah, but uh, sure. God, God always provided. And I saw his increase grow, 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 grow. And for me, even now, I would never want to ever go back to a set salary or to a set budget because God has shown his creativity on how he provides for me. You know, so good. You know it's, it's just not one stream. It's, sometimes it's creative, sometimes it's favor, sometimes it's gifts in kind, sometimes it's cash. But, you know, you know, it is so creative how God does it. It is such build my faith to, work, to help bring where the ministry is today. It wasn't on um, playing it safe. It wasn't on, you know, trusting, you know, trying to make the numbers work. It was actually just taking that leap of faith. And so I would encourage folks fundraising, you know, first and foremost, people give to you as an individual, not to the church or to the mission agency, you know, so talk to them face to face as much as you can and share vision and share credibility. Uh, Cause people love to give to vision. They love to give to credibility. They love to give to momentum. And, um, you know, be bold. And I like to, you know, I've learned, uh, you know, to even ask for a specific number. Uh, that's kind of bold, but you kind of know people and what range they might consider something. But I might say, hey, would you consider partnering with me for $100 for this trip? And what that does is give them a number to think about and make a decision about. So many people make the mistake of saying, would you prayerfully consider partnering with me? What you're doing is actually casting the whole burden of responsibility on them. You pray, you think about it, you look at your budget, you get back to me about what you think you could do. Mm. Instead of saying, hey, do you got a hundred bucks? Oh, I could do that. Bam. Wow. You know, and uh, so be concise. Often you might want to have a specific number to ask for. 
and uh, share the credibility and the vision of what you're going to be doing. So uh, when we look at the future, right, um, you've said that 90% of people, uh, you know, return back to that first place. Um, so if somebody is maybe stirring, even right now, um, maybe a pastor, youth pastor knows of a kid in their youth ministry that uh, is feeling called, or uh, maybe a, a family in their church that's feeling called, what would you say um, to them? What are some tips for, for them to begin to make those steps to actually becoming a long-term overseas missionary? Sure. I mean, the number one thing is to hold on to that vision because it never, the, God's timing is very different than our timing most often. And so write those things down. Like I said, those bullet points, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on to them. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. But secondly, feed that fire. Um, you know, in if you're considering long-term missions, go on one or two short-term, go on another short-term, another short-term, until you start learning that proficiency of uh, learning how to bridge a culture, um, learning what culture you might be, you know, uh, feeling, you know, called to. Um, you know, my early years, you know, I've been to over 60 different countries. In my first teenage years, I was in Central America, South America, Africa, you know, Mexico. I mean, I was all over the world, just trying to see, Lord, where would you have me spend some of my time? And um, with every place I went, um, it just gives you a little bit more discernment. And I was one of those guys too, that um, I was annoying in the sense where I had a list of 20 questions back then on my yellow legal pad, and I still use it today. <laughs> Any missionary I would come across, I would ask them question after question after question. I just interview them and just get advice or how it worked for them. But all of that is, is you're feeding in, feeding in. And I feel like sometimes it's kind of like, for me, it's, it's kind of like that uh, sonar on a, like a submarine or the airplane sonar. It kind of goes around and every so often it dings. And when you put information in, it gives that discernment, your heart, something to ping off of. So it's like short-term trip, ping, ping. Uh, interview about how it worked and how what education you got ping mm, ping and it just gives you data points to direct to lead to guide to on next step next step next step it's just uh experiences it's education it's trips you know that just feed 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 it and give your discernment something to ping off of so many people sit and pray, God, I'll go anywhere, I'll go anywhere, I'll go anywhere, I'll go anywhere, I'll go anywhere. But they're not moving. And they don't have a passport either. <laughs> yeah, get your passport. And that's why I said in the book of Acts, on his way to there, the Holy Spirit led him. I don't know where I'm going, but I just started somewhere. And on my way to, the Holy Spirit led me. So the biggest key is get off your tail. Just start doing something. Get behind a church. Get behind uh, any trips that are happening. Get those experiential things in your life um, just to get those data points for your discernment to start pinging off of. Rich, what trends are you seeing in, in um, the church, in ministry, uh, maybe even with teams that are coming through? I mean, you, you see a lot of of uh, teenagers, you know, college students that are coming through through World Race or even interning with you. What are some trends, some things you're seeing? Wow. Um, you know, missions definitely has changed over, you know, the years are just blown by so quickly. They even say now, you know, Ron Luce just came out with a brilliant new book, you know, Faith at the Speed of Light. And basically, one of the premises, one of the trends is, you know, our our knowledge base of any industry it almost doubles every single year. Decades ago, you know, if you were a doctor, the amount of information in the medical field would double about every 100 years, then every 50 years. Now in the medical field, the amount of information that's available in the palm of our hand doubles every eight months. Wow. And so the mass amount of knowledge and accessibility to wisdom, to knowledge, to 
tips, the trends, is at the palm of our hands. And so the trends, I would say, is th that has a direct correlation to missions as well. You know, I may step on a few toes with this one, but I think even there's been a, a shift a little bit in reality, maybe not academically yet, but in reality, the term cultural sensitivity, we gotta be so sensitive to the culture. Um, and I, I fully believe that we need to be students of the culture and to understand the culture, become so knowledgeable and one with the culture, but at the same time, we cannot uh, you know, patty cake the gospel uh, anymore. I tell you, the devil doesn't give a flip about culture, and he is bombarding every single shack, every single corner on this planet with music, magazines, product, uh, every single tool he can use. He doesn't give a flip about culture. He's bombarding it. And I feel sometimes we are too culturally sensitive uh, in the, to, you know, afraid to offend anyone um, because it might come back on us. But I'm telling you, we need to go in love, kindness, but with a uh, unrelentless, direct passion about Jesus Christ and what he uh, desires for your life and unapologetic about it. Don't patty cake the gospel. And so we're seeing a trend more and more of uh, people just, um, in Jesus' name, just stepping outside those boundaries of cultural sensitivity uh, and in the in the younger environment here we're seeing droves just just grasp the gospel and running to Jesus when it's presented in a kind loving relatable way but also in a way that's um, it's not afraid to be not not trash your culture but even in Jesus time he was uh, accused so much of changing and anti-culture. So anyway, um, I, I feel that's definitely what we need more of, that, that's the overwhelming kindness and love of Jesus in a most unapologetic, direct fashion. So with all of the growth, the stepping out of faith, building all these things, I am sure that there are some times that you have uh, failed, that it hasn't quite worked, right? Um, so when, talk to me a little bit about uh, a time when maybe something that seemed like it was a failure, uh, actually set you up for more success. Yeah, I got an encyclopedia of books coming out about my failures. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, obviously we all know, I mean, you know, failures are your greatest teachers and, uh, even my early years, uh, on the mission field, you know, there's definitely been some faux pas and failures. Um, but I, I would say some of our biggest challenges, you know, the communities, and if you stay stuck in, there's a lot of grace that covers your failures. Um, the biggest thing about failures is I had a great friend, uh, missionary gentleman, you may know uh, Jerry Lackey from Botswana Ministries up in Botswana. He's been there well over 30 years. And uh, he told me so many times, Rich, just stay stuck in. And that's kind of the term they use here in Africa. Just stay with it. Don't give up. Just stay stuck in. And when you just stay stuck in, the grace comes to cover a multitude of your sins and failures. And you learn so much from it. So many people fail and then quit or fail and drop out or it didn't work or maybe it wasn't God. I failed and it must not have been God. But if you stay stuck in with it, God can turn those failures into footstones, foundational footstones to make you smarter and better and wiser. So my biggest key is don't be afraid to fail. We are always, I'm always pushing my guys. Even the other day at staff meeting, they're all mad at me because I'm like, well, let's, let's innovate. Let's pilot test this. Can we just throw a prototype out? Let's prototype this. And they're like, always pushing back of like, change, change, transition, <laughs> you know, but like, let's push, let's prototype, let's try, let's test, let's fail. It'll make us smarter. It'll make us more innovative. And uh, let's find out 10 ways how not to do it. <laughs> yeah, because a bunch of failures, all you need is the one success, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 
what are some things maybe that you've been learning about yourself over the past, you know, say 20 years being on the missions field? Was it, was it taught you? What are you learning about yourself that we can be able to, to learn from? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> you know, so many of those, uh, well, I, I wrestle with God all the time and I, 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 I say, God, why'd you take, uh, such a, you know, short-tempered, make it happen, impatient, uh, action-oriented guy like me and put me in Africa where it's uh, kind of backwards. Everything takes a million years to get accomplished and it's left-handed. It's very challenging uh, logistically, <laughs> politically. Uh, I'm being extremely polite with saying just that. Uh, but I, because I, it, but I learned as like God's almost joke uh, on me to say, well, I needed someone that uh, with that to build your character. You know, uh, I also love that movie, Evan Almighty, such a funny comedy. Yeah, I was but, just thinking about that. Yeah. And that lady prays for family time and to be close as a family. And and God says, well, if you pay, pray for patience. Do you think God's going to zap you with patience or will give you opportunities to be patient? And I was like, oh, stink. <laughs> so it's those kind of things of learning your character. Um, and I, I would say for me, one of the greatest things I've learned is how to uh, trust God uh, with dreaming of crazy things. I mean, I would never normally thought, how do we build a self-sustaining, high-quality Christian education preschool in the middle of a squatter camp? You know, how do you pull out babies out of the dumpsters and make that work? And just taking leaps of faith and asking God for wisdom and tenacity to, to figure it out. And, um, you know, God's not, uh, he's not looking for the brightest people. He's just looking for the available people. And I've learned just to continue to make myself available and to attempt crazy things. And the other greatest thing I, I think I've learned is even as a missionary, I live on support and I'm raising you know, money for the ministry. We're in huge needs now with our new school and expanding a school. Um, but in the midst of raising money and trusting God, I've learned and grown so much of also learning how to, to give. And uh, we have a goal every single year that, uh, we're going to be more generous this year than we were last year. We're going to give away more. We're going to give away more money, more education, um, more grants, vehicles, you know, whatever it takes. We extravagant giving, uh, it just loosens your, your heartstrings to stuff into money when you can freely give it away in a radical way, and as well as it builds that stewardship trust with God. So he says, I trust you with little, I'll give you more. And even if you're holding on to things loosely, uh, means I can trust you a little bit. Let me give you a little bit more. And so it's not about acquiring to build. It's actually acquiring to give. And he actually raises the capacity to, to give. And, uh, so I'm learning, trying to figure out how I can give away more, how I can, uh, uh, increase it uh not for our growth but for god's you know his his glory so a couple of books you're i mean you're you're learning you've already mentioned one of the books what are a couple of books that you might recommend for some some guys to, to pick up and listen to man i i tell you well two kind of categories i think essential for every single believer to help you in your seasons of life whether it's in ministry or just in normal careers, I would say uh, Henry, Dr. Henry Cloud's Necessary Endings. That book is brilliant on coaching you from season to season, um, as well as how to deal with people in those seasons, maybe that are resistant to change or growth or how to provide proper limits and consequences for those that you work with or work for you. Necessary Endings is absolutely freeing and educational, the highly recommended for everybody. And a little bit more for, um, let's say leadership and uh, new trends. I, I love Marcus Buckingham's new book, uh, Nine Lies About Work. It just turns a lot of our, you know, preconceived business ideas and turns them upside down. 
and just comes at it from a new perspective that's very fresh. Uh, just super highly recommended. Are there any maybe books, podcasts, recordings, something for uh, inspiring people on missions, maybe like a biography or a documentary, something maybe that you, I, I'm kind of throwing a curveball at you here, but anything that you can think of when just kind of more like missions oriented that you might well think that, man, that would, that would be inspire people and get them, get them fired up for missions. Yeah, there's always tons of them. I mean, obviously, um, you know, the big events this last year, the send. So a lot of great speakers with, with that. We're really pushing about talking about sending and, I just pray we get up and go in Jesus name. Um, so a lot of those sessions were brilliant, brilliant. It's funny. I was just sharing this with someone the other night, uh, even David Platt's book, radical, uh, that book, you know, also kind of pushes people beyond their comfort zone and a lot of Francis Chan, uh, you know, podcasts also, he's taking the leap out there as well. We had a, we had a friend that actually said, you know, David Platt's book, Radical, challenged me so much, I just had to do something. So that's why I'm supporting you. I, I can't go, but you I know you're going, so I'm going to support you. <laughs> so wow. um, it just great. helps change a little different mindsets. Okay. So last question here, Rich. What you, You've got a lot going on, busy, uh, lots going on. And even right now, you're preparing for uh, 15 interns to come in and uh, a couple of days, a whole group of world race students to come in. You've got staff members, you got all kinds of stuff going on. What in your life is bringing you renewal and, and spiritual refreshing? Yeah, obviously consistency, you know, um, with the Lord. And that's different for every single person. You know, some people are very um, reading, you know, by the time clock, same thing, or same place and time every single day. Some people it's extrinsic, intrinsic. You got to learn your flow and your rhythm. So for me, it's, it's constantly, um, you know, I, I listen a lot to a lot of great messages, but um, I, I create one of the tools I learned from Pastor Craig Rochelle is just creating some of your own daily declarations. And that's one of the things I do quite a lot of uh, these declarations. I'm constantly pounding in my head. You know, I say I'm often sometimes 10, 20 times a day because it just helps me have that true north. And uh, so consistency of meditating with God, whether obviously it's in his word and worship, but it's in the car, it's in the truck, it's uh, as I'm in the community, it's kind of... Um, you know, Brother Lawrence years ago had that book of practicing the presence of God. Now that's for me, just learning how to live in his presence, be aware of it everywhere I go, not just an hour a day or a certain place or time, but to, to live in that awareness of it. That's where I'm grow, trying to learn and grow from. Well, Rich, thank you for so much for your time. I want to encourage everybody to take a look at impactafrica.org. Take a look at their website. Uh, pray about, uh, consider visiting Africa. Uh, and I would highly encourage you guys to check out uh, Rich and the team there. They'll take care of you. Uh, they'll create a great experience for you. It, I promise you it'll be life-changing. So check out impactafrica.org. Reach out to them. Let them know that uh, you listen to the pastor's roundtable, and we recommend you or Ryan Latham, and they'll make sure you've, you're, you get taken care of. So, uh, Rich, thank you for your time and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you guys soon on another episode of the pastor's roundtable. Thank you guys so much and keep up the incredible work, Ryan. I, I hear great stories from all different circles. And uh, thank you again for all the pastors out there in the roundtable. And we look forward to hopefully touching base and finding a way we can help serve you guys. Thank you. Awesome. Great. Thanks, Rich. All right.